Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Bricks and Mortar. I'm joined again today by Nick Carman, Partnership Director at McDonald and Company, a specialist recruitment consultancy for the real estate and built environment sectors for the final instalment in EG's Careers Trilogy. In the last episode, Nick and I explored the use of online platforms such as LinkedIn to optimise the job search. And in this final part, we look at the interview itself and how to ensure that you succeed. Nick, many thanks indeed for coming back for the final instalment. Um, hopefully you're feeling quite relaxed by now. Uh, of course, it's, um, it's been quite a regular occurrence that I'm going to want to do next week. <laughs> Absolutely. So Nick, we're going on now just to look at the final part of the process. We've already explored really how to get your search up and running, how to make the most of the tools that are out there to help facilitate the job search. What can candidates expect from the interview itself? Okay, so in some ways, our first two episodes now have been building towards this stage, haven't they? Mm. Trying to get in, get in front of that prospective employer. I thought about sort of what what that interview might entail, and I, th- and I think sort of for your listeners, it's quite important to say there are three distinct types of interview. There is the traditional interview. This is the walk me through your CV. Okay. Questions along the lines of sort of tell me more about that role. Why did that result occur? And this is a chance really typically for a line manager, not necessarily a HR professional, to sit back and warm up the interview quite slowly, reminding themselves of why the person they've invited in is here. What was it about their CV they, they particularly liked? And in, in some ways, it is, it's a very traditional sort of format, but it's a, it's a format that most people are comfortable with. It doesn't take too much sort of demand on the interviewer beforehand. And in the same way, you know, we're all quite comfortable talking about ourselves. The second version is a behavioural interview. So if you think about the, the in, all interview styles always look backwards. What has happened in the past? And they hope to perform in a picture about what will this person do in the future? And a behaviour interview here looks at how have you behaved in the past? to predict how you might behave or act in the future. So you'll know if you're in a behavioural interview when you get asked questions of the likes, give me an example of how you dealt with disappointment. Give me an example of when you had to go the extra mile. How have you performed under pressure? And these sort of quite sort of abstract questions, but putting um, to you to ultimately sort of elicit how have you behaved or how have you acted in certain situations so that us as your future employer have a clearer view about how you how you're going to behave in those circumstances here. And then the third the third style of, of interview is uh, is called competency based, and it works on the same principle as behaviour. So looking at the past, what skills have you used in the past? To what level of competency have you used those skills so that we can form an opinion about how ready you are to perform in the role we've got in mind. So once more, you'll know if you're in a competency-based interview when you get the questions, for example, like when have you demonstrated excellent excellent customer service? Uh, give me an example when you had to deal with a, uh, a subordinate who was struggling. Give me an example of, of how you performed in a high-performing team. Those answers to questions. And there are ways and means that you know, I think sort of we can discuss as to how you can prepare for that type, mm-hmm. how you can answer those questions so that the employer feels most comfortable with your past performance versus your potential. 
I guess that's quite an interesting area to dive into, really, because I would presume that candidates are more comfortable with the traditional style of interview, more able to talk about, you know, what what they've done in a particular role to expand on experiences that they've had. But I guess slightly more difficult for people to perhaps pull out examples and extrapolate them in the way that perhaps employers are looking. Yeah, I think think that's definitely true. The reason most people favour, and this, this goes for both sides of the table, interviewer and interviewee, the reason that most people favour the traditional style is that it feels more accustomed to a conversation or natural. So, of course, that brings about in some ways a slight negative in the sense of it's easy to, to fall back into a simple conversational style, you know, answering the questions that are put in front of you. Tell me about your CV. And I'm sure we can all sort of wax lyrical about sort of, you know, how we've got to where we are after sort of 5, 10, 15, 25 years in, in our career. But as you, as you rightly say, the interviewer is looking for something. They're looking for reassurance. And you need to then make sure that your description, your story that you are telling them means that they feel most confident saying, OK, well, based on what you've just told me now, I feel the most confident that you can do this job to the highest potential than anyone else who I have met. Yeah. So being able to stick to the job description you've been given before this meeting, shaping your experience, shaping then the value you've added in the past to fit what they're looking for. And do employers give any sort of indication of when you might expect a behavioural or a competency based interview? They probably wouldn't volunteer it. That's why I would encourage everybody to ask before attending the interview so that you you get a clear a clear sort of um, idea of what you can prepare for yeah um if you don't if you um uh, if you ask and you get a wishy-washy answer or you don't get an answer at all you can maybe make make a judgment on who you're interviewing with if it's a one-on-one interview with the hiring manager chances are it's a traditional interview format if there is a HR professional, a people person uh, within the room, chances are at least a percentage of the interview will either be behavioural or competency based. And you need then to do a little bit of thinking about preparation for those questions. OK. And in terms then of the preparation that people can be doing, what would your advice be to them? OK, so we touched on sort of traditional, so let's have a let's have a um, chat about sort of behaviour and competency. Mm-hmm. So, as a reminder, sort of behaviour is looking at your behaviour and how you've acted in the past. So, the best way I would I would give is go on the employer's website, go to the company values page. Most large organisations and medium organisations now, as part of their CSR or their their own culture, will publicise what are their three, four, or five top values they attribute with their staff. Chances are those are going to be the structure for the behaviours they are looking for for the interviewee. So prepare then accordingly. If, if those values are innovation, attention to detail, drive, enthusiasm, make sure you are armed then with examples of how you have demonstrated those behaviours in your past experience. And make sure then you are they're able to bring those out in the interview. With regards to a competency-based, again, once a reminder, we're looking at the skills. So the skills, chances are, are not on a, on a company's website, but they most certainly will be in the job description. So get your highlighter out, run through the job description, look at what the common terminology they use in the job description. 
look for what are what are those core skills, those priorities that you can then once more prepare based on your experience, what you've done in the past in order then to, to fill in those gaps. And there is there's one other sort of strategy or tactic, I would say, and, and that's one thing is preparing those answers, preparing those examples. The other trick is how you deliver it, because the interviewer here is looking for short, sharp answers that gives them the greatest confidence. If your example rattles on for five or 10 or 15 minutes and it's a, it's a, a, a wonderful sort of long sort of story, but never really gets to the point, well, then it's been a waste of that five, 10 or 15 minutes of that precious interview time. There is a tactic referred to as STAR, which I think is, is quite a handy tactic to remind people about. And it's an acronym. So it is situation, i.e. set the scene. So they understand sort of where this story is going. Do that briefly. Then the task, ultimately, what was the goal you were looking to achieve? Now is the action. This is the, this is the main meat of your answer. What were you doing? How did you behave? What skills did you use? in order to achieve that task? And then ultimately, what was the result? And if you deliver that answer using those sort of four chapters in a, a relatively sort of short and succinct way, you can guarantee that that is a strong answer. Thinking then about preparation and delivery, is there a formula, do you think, to a successful interview? Uh, do I think there is a formula? If there is, I think we'd, we'd probably want to bottle it and call it a secret sauce. <laughs> uh, say trade secrets now. There is probably something to remember that I think an awful lot of people easily forget. That is that the employer, the interviewer, really wants you to succeed. The reason they are interviewing a position is because they've identified there is a problem within their organisation. There is a shortage of a skill or there is something up and coming that they really need to deal with. So they are really keen for everybody they interview to succeed. And it's, like it's easy to forget that as an, as an interviewee. You think it's, it is a them, a them and us sort of uh, tactic. You think you're sort of two sides of, of the table looking to try and sort of negotiate something out. And ultimately, you're both there to do the same job. You're both there to leave them with a really positive impression that you can do the job. And the, that is what the employer ultimately wants to hear. So I think to put your mind at and at ease, you know, remember it is, it is that conversation and remember that they are willing you to succeed. So try best to minimise those nerves, try best to reduce that waffle and you know, get the chunk of your experience uh, across in typically using that star technique. And I think you'll be you'll be onto a winner. Selling your, yourself is a key component of the interview. What else should an interviewee aim to get out of an interview? I mean, presumably it's an opportunity to find out a little bit more about the firm and perhaps the culture and so on. Well, I agree. And I think this is my favourite piece of an interview. We've talked, we've talked a lot about how the interviewee might be asking the questions and, and often it's reserved for the last quarter of an interview, mm -hmm. sometimes less. But the, intervie the interviewer comes to the end of their questions and then asks quite sort of casually, do you have any questions for me? And I can tell with experience that so many interviewees have lost the interview based on this part of the interview. Is that right? OK, that's interesting. I think, it, I think it's one of the most revealing parts of the interview, because if you fail to answer, ask a question, it leaves the interviewer with the lasting impression that you're either disengaged 
disinterested or, or ultimately you, you just you haven't got the ability to drill into the detail of what of what they're off, offering. So make sure you make the most of that opportunity. The typical sort of questions I think you you might want to understand us are, are go back to the job description. You know, have you got a really clear view of what is required here? Have you got a really clear view of who the employer is? You know, what's their culture? Who has succeeded in the organisation? What are their plans for the future? These are really nice sort of simple sort of warm up questions. Some of that you might well have encountered during the interview. So I'll give you a, a, maybe a couple of my of some of my favourites. I'd be quite impressed if someone had a way of flipping around the interview structure here as well, because one of my favourite interview questions for all the for the interviewer e for the interviewer are: I've read the job description, I've listened to the recruiter or the advertisement, but do you mind giving me your key priorities for the role? Now I think that's a really interesting question. Okay. But it's far more interesting is if you ask that question at the very beginning of an interview, because I think it puts you at a little bit more ease. We're all more comfortable asking the questions. At the, and, and at the start of that, that interview, it's often when people have got their nerves at the highest. But then it sets the tone then for the rest of that interview. You know exactly what that interviewer wants to hear. You can answer every question back to what they've told you are those, those key priorities. Another question, and your audience may think this is sort of confrontational, but in, in some ways I quite like it because of just how direct it is. Do you have any reservations about my skills or experience? And again, it might mean it's, it's slightly uncomfortable hearing, but you want to get out of this you know, from the interview. Ultimately, does the person sat on the other side of this table feel comfortable in what I'm saying and what I've done before? And if not, now's the time to hear it. Not in a week's time when you get that feedback, because you want a chance to respond to that. You want a chance maybe to spend more time talking about a particular area of your experience you haven't done so far to answer those queries. So make sure you ask that question with plenty of time left within your interview slot so you've got time to answer it. And thinking really about the last year, I mean, there's obviously been a huge shift to online in, in all aspects of our lives, really. How has the interview process worked online compared to face to face? And are there differences that people need to bear in mind? So I think it, it is it is more similar than it is different. The, the last sort of nine months, we've all we've all become sort of familiar with the tools in, in which they, those happen. And you know, the, the sort of the etiquette of, of doing sort of, of doing sort of video calls um, and shouting at each other, you're on mute. So you know, all, all that basic sort of um, sort of common sense stuff now it still it still applies. But I would say the one the one sort of key difference is that you don't get an opportunity to walk into that client's or the, sort of the that employer's office. Mm. You don't get a sense to absorb the culture, what's happening, how are people dressed, how are people looking, smiles on their faces, you know, doom and gloom. So make sure you reserve some time during that meeting to get a better understanding of what is it like to work here. What is it like to work with different employees? What is the culture? What are, what are people up to? Because this goes both ways. Having having an idea of sort of where you're going to work is so important nowadays, over and above just what is required of you and in your job description. And you need to understand this to make that the most informed decision you know, when, you, when you are um, looking at this eventual offer. But also to the employer, 
you know, they've got quite limited sort of vision about sort of who you are and what you are and how you behave as well. So they want to hear that you're interested in this. They want to hear how you might respond to certain sort of cultures and the likes from there, what you enjoy as well. So I, I would say that is the greatest sort of difference is make sure you can use your questions to make up in some ways for the lack of other senses around culture and how people are behaving within the office. Something else I, I wanted to have a think about was the, the stages of interview. Often you have a first interview followed by a second and, and sometimes a third. What can people really keep in mind if, if they're invited to a second interview? Presumably you're you're up against perhaps a much smaller number of people at that point. What are firms really looking to get out of those second meetings? Okay, so it's good news, isn't it? You've you've done something well in that first interview in order to succeed second interview. That's that's the important thing to remember. So let's build on what you've done beforehand. The within this the second interview, you're you're now likelihood is getting more into the meat of, of what the employer is looking for. You've done you've done the usual sort of meet and greet. You've done you've done in some ways sort of that that superficial sort of review of your experience, your behaviours, your competencies look like this is someone who who could be a high achiever now's the time to really test this so you you can expect questions around more detail about your experience and and your previous um, track record so prepare for that you should now have a really clear view of what's required of you as well you want to make sure that you've done your homework on the organization on the role it's, I think it's forgivable to, to, to have a basic understanding of an employer and the role at the first interview. It is unforgivable, I think, if you attend then a second interview, having not built on that, having not checked, checked that organisation out uh, with people who might know more about it, having not, if it's a, a real estate interview, having not walked to one of their sites, gone to see one of their buildings, reviewed how their concierges behave, have a view. And being able to have sort of shown you've gone an extra mile to really understand how that organisation behaves or how it operates. And the second interview, I guess, might involve something like a, a presentation or something a little bit more formal. Um, how does somebody go about preparing for that? And, and what's the firm really hoping to extract from it? Why do they put that mechanism in place? So how do you prepare for it? This goes back to the brief having a really clear, defined brief about what you are expected to deliver. So it's absolutely um, uh, recommended um, or, or even sort of, sort of advisable that what you're given on, on an email to say, here's the preparation, here's a presentation, is to go back and ask for more detail. The success of that presentation really relates to how closely that aligns to what the employer is looking for. So if you get the email from the recruiter or if you get the email then from, from the HR department, Go back and ask a little bit more detail about what are they really looking for? What what detail might I want to want to include here to go above and beyond? The second part of that that question is, I think, what are what are the employers then looking to to gain from this? Well, once more, this is this is a another step in the process of assessing who has got the greatest likelihood of succeeding in this role. And this is just one more step, one more reason to reduce the risk of bringing someone new into our organisation. So the employer ultimately then is is looking to see, has this person done their homework? Have they got the attention to detail? Is this presentation full of spelling mistakes? Has it been done rushed? 
there are lots and lots of sort of pretty small cues that, that will be able then for someone to eliminate that will mean that, that someone is not detracted from the content and they can then sort of get, get a real sort of boost in, uh, in their employability. And presumably when you, you get to that stage, you, it might come down to a decision between perhaps two people. How can someone really go about ensuring that they're the one that's picked? That is a tricky question, isn't it? Um, <laughs> I think sort of ultimately, it, I think it, it probably comes, comes down to have you demonstrated sort of who you are and, and what you can achieve? I'd be far less sort of worried about what the other person can, can do but making sure that you you have given an excellent and accurate account of what you can can do. That's I think that's all anyone can really worry about. So reflect on what what answers you might have given in previous um, formats. Reflect on where you spent time discussing or what you might have shown, in, for example, in a in a presentation. And if you think there are areas that you have not covered, well, be honest about it. During that next or that final interview, I would make sure that you hold those interviews account and saying. Do you mind if I spend five minutes talking about X? I think it's particularly interesting for this role. And I think it's one of my strengths I have not covered up until this time. To not tackle it sort of head on, I think is, is a mistake. And it ultimately, it leaves you vulnerable then to being pipped at the post by someone who was more forthcoming. Okay. And are there any particular practical tips that you can give to people in terms of interview sort of etiquette or dress code that sort of thing whether it should be formal informal you'll be led by the company I think ultimately so once more sort of take your advice from your recruiter or the uh, or the whoever's providing the preparation before that interview it's easy to be underdressed for an interview it's maybe slightly less less likely but still it still has um uh, a feeling of you can be overdressed for an interview. If everyone's, uh, if everyone is, if your panel is sat around in sort of chinos and polo shorts and you're, uh, you're there suit, uh, suited and, and booted, it once, it once more gives the impression that you're maybe not the right sort of culture fit. So do your homework before, before walking into that Zoom or Teams meeting to have an idea in terms of what you're going to be met with. And I think everyone listening would hope, obviously, that they were the one that was picked for a coveted job, but. If you are unsuccessful in securing a particular role, but are very keen to go into a similar level position in the future, what can you do to follow up with a company to ensure that you succeed next time around, either there or or perhaps elsewhere? Uh, Well, Sarah, again, I think this is really important because if you had an opportunity to meet someone who has made a really lasting impression on you, and for whatever reason, you were pipped at the post by someone else who answered the questions better, who had more experience, you had more relevant experience with you. Make sure you leave on a really positive impression because the employee probably would not choose to go through another interview process if they didn't have to. If someone who they've spent the last the last sort of months um, spending time with can offer them a solution to a problem they have got coming down the, uh, down the road, then they'll choose you. And I think this is this is a really important sort of piece that's is really easily overlooked. You know, you've you've had some disappointing news, you've been rejected, but ultimately you want to make a lasting positive impression. So make sure you write to every one of those interviews you've been involved with. Write to them personally, not a, not a round robin sort of CCing in everyone. Um, make sure you connect with them on on LinkedIn. Yeah. Make sure you with again back to some of this sort of. The advice previously, you know, make sure you follow some of some of their posts as well so that 
they get that constant reminder about who you are. Let them know what you enjoyed about the process. Let them know about your, your disappointment. People, I think, sort of really value that. And we want, we want to hear that. And ultimately, that will leave a really positive, lasting impression that you are right for the organisation, but maybe not just right for that role right now. So that next time they are looking to recruit, they could circumnavigate the whole process and simply give you a call. Mm. Okay. And what about obtaining feedback from people? Is, is that something you recommend? I would strongly recommend. It is not easy to do. You know, no one likes to give bad news. And, mm-hmm. and for that reason, it's not always easy to get really clear feedback, particularly if, if you've been in, in involved in a very, very large sort of recruitment fields, whereby there you know, naturally there are going to be so many people who've also had bad news. But persevere. Following up then with, the, with those interviewers is your best chance of getting that feedback. Rounding off then, I mean, we've we've spoken about um, a number of elements in this whole process. How would you bring it all together and, and just sum up with some final words for people who are just embarking on the job search? OK, so you know, we've talked about lots of different ways you can prepare. And I, th- and I think that is that is vitally important. You understand what type of, of interview style you're going to be met with. You can prepare a, um, a short bevy of answers that you think are best going to be able to answer the queries of that line manager. Um, and, and ultimately, I would, I would say just make, sh- make sure you maintain that energy and enthusiasm. There is no doubt there are going to be disappointments during this process. But you never know when that next opportunity is, is going to come around. So keep that head up, keep that energy and enthusiasm, because those are some of the, the real key traits that so many people are looking for. And it's easy to get a bit dejected. Nick, that's a really positive note to end on. Thank you so much for your time, not just today, but over the last few weeks. It's been a real pleasure talking to you and getting your insights. Thanks so much for having me on, Sarah. And thanks so much for putting up with the last three weeks. (laughs) It's been a pleasure. Thank you. That was Bricks and Mortar with Sarah Jackman. For more on developing a career in real estate, see the archive of the Bricks and Mortar series at podbean.com and the EGI archive at egi.co.uk.